I'm a very needy person. Now I want you to look at me and have compassion. Come on. You don't look very compassionate. But I'm a very needy person. I'm not poor, but I'm needy. The truth is I've probably never been more emotionally secure and stronger than I am today, but I'm a needy person. I got the most incredible, loyal, wonderful friends that any man could ever have, but I'm a very needy person. I'm physically well and strong. I'm a lean, mean, killing, I mean kingdom machine. <laughs> but I'm a very needy person. You see, I've got a lot of needs in my life to accomplish the God-given purpose that God has placed in my life. And I need a lot of people to accomplish what God has called me to do. So I'm a needy person. Now, I want to challenge you tonight that it's the will of God for you to live a life that's full of need. Now, stick with me and you'll understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about the right kind of need. Now, there's bad need, there's wrong need, but there is right need. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14 kind of explains it. Write this letter to the church of the angel of the church of Laodicea. I know all the things that you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm, mediocre, status quo, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have need of nothing. But don't you realize that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Now follow me. Give me your mind. Their mediocrity, their lukewarmness, and their status quo is directly related to this feeling that I need nothing. And I want to show you need is not always the evil that we make it out to be by making six statements that could change your life. Statement number one, you need more of the right kind of need. Philippians chapter four and verse 19, my God shall supply all of your need. Now follow me. If you don't have any need, then why would you need any supply? My God shall supply what? All of your needs according to his riches, his purpose, his will in Christ Jesus. Now, we know that that supply comes out of the riches of Christ Jesus, right? Now, what about this? Maybe the need also comes out of the riches of Christ Jesus. Do you know why that this church right here needs several millions of dollars to carry out the work of God this coming year? You know why? Because this church is feeding the poor. This church has supported the Dream Center so generously. This church has mission projects around the world. This church is winning souls. This church is building buildings for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of the favor and the blessings upon the lives of these people and the success of this church, the supply is promised to that kind of a need. You take away the need and you will need no supply. So need is not always evil. 
Did you know need can be very exciting things? Mother Teresa, several years ago, went to New York City. Mary Giuliani was so touched by her that he said, Mother Teresa, is there anything that you need that I can get for you? Oh, she said, yes, I need a building in New York. She said, he said, well, when do you need it? Thank you, maybe in a year or six months. She said, I need it in two days. And in two days, she had her building. You see, she had a need that was a legitimate need that would attract the supernatural power of God. You see, there is no lack in supply. There is only lack of the right kind of purpose, the right kind of need, the right kind of cause. And that's why everyone in this building needs a cause because a cause will raise you out of yourself into another self that is greater than yourself. I need to repeat that. I said a cause will lift you out of yourself into another self that is greater than yourself. And you will never know what you're capable of until you have a cause that stretches you. Say it, buddy. Years ago, I went to a bookshelf and I saw a book entitled Think and grow rich. Now, I never read the book, but there was a underlining statement on the front of the book, and it said this, the way to become successful in life, and it said become rich and famous and wander down the line, is to find the world's greatest need and supply it as fast as you can. And when I read that, I jumped up and clicked my heels. Hey, who said white men can't jump? Amen. That's pretty good for 86, wouldn't you say that? The Bible said that the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. Some people wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. Now may I say, good morning, Lord. The whole earth is filled with your glory. A lot of people just rebuke the devil, not me. I see the world filled with the glory of God. And I feel, and I know who's in control of the devil. Come on, say a good amen. So when I go to a church, I kick every paper, every can. There may be a miracle under that thing. See, nobody's ever shook the world that lived their life in the conscious awareness presence of the devil. They live their life in the constant presence of an almighty God that has them in their life. Oh, man, you need more of the right kind of need. Number two, the bigger the need, the bigger the supply. When I went to my first church, I bought a bus and we filled it with some 60 some odd people the first Sunday. So we bought another one and we filled it. And then we bought 10 and we filled them. And then we had 20 and we filled them until we had 47 buses. We became the fastest growing church in America in a little town called Davenport, Iowa. When I went there, I had 76 of the meanest Christians you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) Very legalistic. But I knew that God was in control. And I knew what he wanted to do, so I'm going to jump to three real quick. Number three, God knows your need. 
Matter of fact, he knows your need before you know your need. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, for the Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. And he's preparing miracles for you that he prepared from the foundation of the earth. Miracles are taking place. Now, some of those miracles are in seed form. So be very careful how you treat the one beside you right now. They may just be a little seed. When they grow up, man, you may be borrowing money from them. Amen. So nudge the one beside you and say, you better be good to me. Come on, tell them. I'm just a seed. Wait till I get big. Several years ago, I was invited to preach at the National Black Pastors Conference in Washington, D.C. It so happened I was the only Caucasian on the program. And I said to the monitor, why in the world did you invite me? Everybody knows these black preachers are the greatest preachers in the world. You have just set me up for failure. I feel like a pygmy among these big giants. Why did you invite me? He said, Pastor, we invited you because you got a black heart. Amen. Well, I, I took it as a compliment. But boy, I was in fast company, so I had to rev it up. And I started preaching, you know, in these black churches, they play the music. And man, I got in the groove. I mean, I moved. I, I got so carried away, I was rapping. You got to do what you got to do. Come on, amen. Little did I realize, sat in that audience was a pastor. He was discouraged. His church read beneath a hundred. And I preached a message entitled, The Miracle in the House. In this sermon, I point out that everything that we need to build a great church is right there in the house. The think tank, the creativity, the seed for the finances. By the way, the miracle for that new building the seed for it is right here in this house tonight. Come on, say a good amen. And he later told me he got so excited he thought he was going to have a heart attack. And he said, God, if you'll just get me out of here alive, I'm going to become the miracle in the house. He went home and his old church began to grow. Several years later, he invited me to preach at his first pastor's conference. He told the story and said, I made my mind up that night if God ever allowed me to have anything like this, that pastor would be the first night speaker. There were over 6,000 pastors in that audience. You might have heard of him. His name was T.D. Jakes. The next Mother Teresa may be in this building tonight. The next Billy Graham may be in this building. The next T.D. Jakes may be the next Pastor Jake may be in this place. There are miracles in this house. Come on, Zachary. Amen. Turn to the one beside you and say, you're looking at a miracle right now. Tell them that. You're looking at a miracle right here. And I can say that without 
taking the glory for it. Because if I said I was a miracle worker, then I'd be taking credit for it. But when I say I'm a miracle from God, I am then the vessel. And he gets the glory for it. The Father knows what you need of. And he said that our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard the things that God has prepared. Pastor, did you ever expect someday all the things you're seeing in your life come to pass? Did you ever expect that someday you'd be the pastor of the Dream City Church? One of the largest churches in America, a church of thousands of people, auditorium that will see 5,000 people. And we see the hand of God now, 10 different campus churches and we're in the midst of the greatest revival ever. No, I didn't expect that. Did you ever expect that you would someday have a dream center? No, we went to LA to build a church. We went to a little ghetto church that nobody was interested in. And we could have big altar calls and the big outdoor rallies and have 100 people come forward to get saved, but they go right back to the gangs, go right back to the pimps, go right back to the drugs. And so we had to get a place after they got saved to put them in and disciple them because they were the church. The building wasn't the church. And, and that's what we did. And that's how the Dream Center. Now, if you've never been to the Dream Center, it's 15 stories high. It has 1,400 rooms in it, over 400,000 square feet. And we can house over a thousand people at the Dream Center, and we run sometime eight to nine hundred people, and nobody pays. We got everything there. We've got drug addicts. We got gang members. We got human trafficking girls. We got hijackers. That's just the pastoral staff. <laughs> no, I, I never heard of the Dream Center. Pastor, did you ever expect that someday you'd be the chancellor of Grand Canyon University and Southeastern now University, two of the fastest growing universities in America? One's one, the other's two. We just found that out this week. No, my friends, when they asked me to become the chancellor, I was so dumb, I thought they was talking about a chandelier. I never graduated from college. If you would have asked me, I saw that in my future, I would have said, nobody prophet. See, the problem is that we think a delay is a denial. But the Bible said, though the vision tarries, it will come to pass if you faint not. But most people faint. It's been said that if you keep a dream for five years, that dream will come to pass. But hardly anybody can keep a dream for five years. Discouragement comes. The naysayers come. The doubt peddlers come. Delay comes. And we think that's a denial. But God is working during that time. Do you know how long I had a dream for the Dream Center before it came to pass. I drove down and I looked at Angelus Temple right in the heart of LA, built by the great Amy McPherson, the greatest woman preacher of her day. She was like the Billy Graham of her day. She built the first mega church building and stood. 
And only about 25 people then went at this today. And what I saw, God spoke to me and said, someday you're going to be the pastor of that church. <laughs> I said, God, you really miss God on that one. Amen. <laughs> because I'm a different denomination than them. We have no dealings one with another. That's pitiful. We are no longer bound together by denominations, but by relationships. Come on, say a good amen out there. I had the dream 40 years before it became a reality. But God during that time was preparing people to fund us. God was preparing a young man to pastor it. And by the way, he wasn't even born yet. He really was in seed faith, amen. <laughs> but he was waiting for the appointed time. He's waiting for due season. Say the one beside you, due season's coming. Come on, tell him right. Due season's coming. It's coming. So just give me about 10 minutes more. Everybody give me 10 minutes, raise your hand. Uh, 15 minutes. Can I get five? Can I get two? Oh, no, let me know. Number one, you need more of the right kind of need. Number two, the bigger the need, the bigger supply. Number three, God knows the need before you ask. And number four, you need to know what your need is. Revelations 3, 17. You say that I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. Don't you realize you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Well, pastor, I'll never need to work again. I have everything I need. My kids are married. I'm rid of these yokes. One yoke has run off with some yokel. Another yoke has gone off to college. The church debt is completely paid. God said at the moment when you think you have needed it, you're in a very dangerous position. Years ago, I picked up the Pentecostal Evangel and I read about a church in, in uh, San Paulo, Brazil. At that time, it was the largest Pentecostal church in the world. That was before Dr. Cho had his great growth. God was moving. Churches were coming all over to see what they were doing. Signs, wonders, miracles, people being saved. Much like what you're experiencing, people being saved. It was that kind of revival. But one day he woke up and noticed the revival had leveled off and then it began to recede and he was panicking. He went before God and said, God, what can I do? And God spoke to him and said, the building that you recently paid off debt-free, I want you to go and mortgage this building. I want you to borrow all the money that you possibly can. But he said, God, we just paid. Go to your church and tell them that God told you to do that and to build churches all over St. Paul of Brazil. He did it. Five years ago, I returned to preach in that church. Today, they have over a hundred, excuse me, over a thousand churches in just St. Paula. And they run 265,000 people. Come on, give the Lord a good clap. You see, the point I'm trying to make is a needless life is an unproductive life. It's a meaningless life. It's a mediocre life. You need to know what your need is. Well, pastor, 
Nobody needs me. Okay, brings me to my next point. Then find a need in them that they didn't even know they had and make them need you, amen. I love this story. First pastor I had was Davenport, Iowa. I told you about it earlier with all those lovely people, amen. <laughs> and people found out there's a little lady in church. I made a statement that I come to church on Sunday morning, four o'clock, and I read my Bible and go through my notes and I pray over the Sunday services. And I said, I always like to have a cup of coffee and a donut. Now, there were no Starbucks coffee in those days. There were no crispy chrome donuts in those days. But that little lady found a need in me and she came to the church at four o'clock and on Saturday night, she baked a beautiful donut and she brewed me coffee at four o'clock and brought it to me. We had a snowstorm one day and snow was above our knees. Poor grandma couldn't get there. I want to kick her out of the church. <laughs> she found a need in me that I didn't know I had and made me addicted to her, amen. <laughs> oh, pastor, I'd sure like to be in the ministry. I'd sure like to be able to staff at this church. I'll tell you how. You go out and find a need that pastor doesn't even know that he has. You find a need in this church and you go out and you make that need so great and so big and then just say, I'm leaving the church, and he'll hire you. Come on, say a good amen out there. Oh, I, I got to tell you another one. This is out of L.A. One day, a little lady came to Matthew and said, Matthew, we've got a new ministry in the church that I've started. Well, he said, what is it? Well, he said, it's called the pimp ministry. <laughs> tell me, a pimp ministry? yeah. Said, you know, all the pimps hang out at this donut shop. I'm on donuts big time, amen. I could use one right now, amen. And they all hang out there, the pimps do. And I go down and preach to them. Matthew said, do they like it? She said, no, they hate it. But I do it anyway. So they found out I was going to do it. So when I walk in now, one of them stands up and said, our pastor's here. And we're going to give her seven minutes to preach. Everybody listen. And I preached for seven minutes. She said, recently they announced that they were going to the International Pimp Convention. <laughs> I'm not making this up, folks. It happened. <laughs> and it happens in L.A. And we would love, and by the way, it's real. They give away a Pimp of the Year award. <laughs> one, one year they gave it to Dennis Rodman. And you know, that... So it was really great. So after it was over, she said, now that I've come to your convention, I want you to come with me to church on Sunday morning. They said, well, she did. So we got to do it. Matthew said that day I looked at the back row. He said, I've never seen so many canes, alligator shoes, funny looking hats. But when he gave the altar call, he looked down and he saw those guys with their cane in the air and their grills gleaming in the sunlight. Amen. They gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Come on, say a good amen. Come on, give the Lord a good clap. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt 
Oh, sit down. You're taking my time. Can I, can I give you just, just one more? I looked down one Wednesday night, and there's a young man that ran up to me after church, and he was a Polish immigrant. And he ran up to me and said, Pastor, someday he wore a tie and a suit, and I'm going to be on your staff. I looked at him and thought, he'll never be on my staff. It'll be a cold place where the burger man lives before he's on my staff. But he came faithfully. He amen me when I, when I preached. I got so few amens, I got the liking the guy. And then he started paying his tithes. He was looking better all the time. And one day he came and said, Pastor, how would you like to preach to 3,000 Frenchmen this summer? Oh, I said, I'd like to. He said, you're going to. I said, I'm not going to France. He said, Pastor, they're going to be right here. I thought to myself, this is the windiest guy I've ever seen. I do not know one Frenchman in Phoenix. And if he's here during the summertime, he'd be a French fry. That's what he'd be. <laughs> now, I know the jokes are bad, but if you'd pay more, you'd get better jokes. Amen. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm having fun tonight, are you? You're a fun crowd. Well, it was Sunday night in the summertime, and I just finished studying my sermon. It was 11 o'clock. I went to the door, and the phone rang. It was Leo. Pastor, tomorrow's the day. I said, what? Tomorrow's the day. He was so excited. I thought he might have some inside information on the coming of the Lord, you know. The French are going to be here tomorrow. But, Pastor, I apologize. I said, it's 3,000. There's only going to be 2,000. I still didn't believe him. Oh, I said, that's wonderful, Leo. Would you preach to an interpreter, Pastor? I sure will. I forgot all about it. I, the next morning, I walked across the parking lot, and when I got to the entrance, the greeters were frantic. Pastor, the strangest people we've ever seen are here today. And they all speak in tongues, every one of them. <laughs> His brother had a company in France. And every year he would bring the leading salesman as a reward to Phoenix to experience the Western experience. And I preached to 2,000 Frenchmen that day. And when I gave the altar call, 1,600 of them came forward <laughs> to accept Jesus Christ. By the way, a few weeks later, I hired a new staff member. It was Leo. He found a need in me that I didn't know I had and made me addicted to him. Notice, the Bible says that God gives seed to who? The perfect attendance people? The pleasant people? He gives seed to who? The soul. So when I sow, I put myself in a position to increase. And if we'd learn more how to be a sower, I believe we'd learn about God's supply. I want to close with a few illustrations. Well, the Dream Center. Our church in Phoenix got a little jealous of the LA Dream Center. They said, we need to have one in our city. We have the same kind of conditions here. And they just bugged me day and night. And I didn't want a Dream Center here because 
For the last 30 years, I've gone out and preached every week, sometimes many times a week, like here. And I've never taken an honorarium. Whatever they gave, it all went to the Dream Center. You'll say, well, Pastor, they probably give you a salary. No, they don't. I'm rather bitter about that, amen. <laughs> but I, that's the way I wanted it. And I thought, I, I, I can't do more than I'm doing. It takes that just to keep this place running. A million, 100,000 a month for the eight to 900 people that served at the Dream Center. Nobody pays. Nobody pays. So I, I tried to push it off, but finally they bugged me and bugged me and I gave in, and I stood up and said, we're going to receive an offering next week, we're three weeks from today, and we're going to buy an Infancy Suite hotel that has opened up. We can get it for $4 million. So you've been after me, and if we can raise the money, we'll do it. So the first week, I was going to preach on faith, and I looked out in the audience, and I saw a man from Indonesia. I'd preached for him. He was building a building with seat about 15,000 people. The roof was on, but he ran out of money. He couldn't borrow anymore. And he sat there and God spoke to me and said, I want you to give all of your tithe to that man. We don't have money in the bank. We live from week to week. I didn't contact anybody. I just said, okay. And that morning we gave him our tithe and offerings. It was over 300,000. This has been years ago. It's much more than that now, but then. The next week, I thought, well, I got two more weeks and, and people can recover from giving that large offering. But I got to preach and I, just before I went out, someone said to me, Pastor, there's been a tsunami that hit Indonesia. Thousands have died. Many of Christians, we got to give an offering. I did not want to give an offering. I had my own tsunami. Amen. But I yielded and we received the offering again. It was over 300,000 again. I thought, I wrecked my offering. So I got up the final week and I preached and I was discouraged. And I said, we're going to receive an offering now. For If you want to give, give. If you don't, don't. That's kind of mad. So that afternoon, I went out to play golf, my son and I. And the phone rang. It was a treasurer of the church said, would you like to know what the offering was? I said, no. <laughs> he said, well, the cash was a million six hundred thousand. And people pledged. I didn't even ask for pledges. Over two million dollars. And a man sent a million dollars from San Diego, Jack Carey. And that meant that we... Paid it off completely for them. And then a few months later, Katrina hit. And Matthew said, I'm going to bring 300 families to the West Coast and put them in the Dreaming Center. I said, we don't have room. He said, we're going to triple bump. I said, we can't afford to do that. He said, Dad, I'm surprised at you. I've heard you preach money follows ministry. I just hate it when they use my preaching against me. <laughs> so we begin to check how much it would cost to rent a bus. Thousands. And it would bring about 60, and he wants to bring 300. When a man walked in the office from the Kabbalah religion and said, I heard what you're doing. I'm renting private jets to fly these people out. 
and he began to fly them out. And we were the only one in town that was doing this in L.A. And the news came out, and they began to broadcast. We became the darling of L.A. Churches began to send money. Dr. Cho from Korea sent $100,000. The Four Square sent $100,000. Jim Reeves sent $100,000. TBN gave $200,000. Daystar gave $200,000. Morcerello gave a million dollars to finish off that floor that we were trying to finish. And God began to send national television. CNN, Inside Edition, came and did a story. CBS, Lou Dobbs did a story. Good Morning America showed up. Dr. Phil showed up and did two shows, amen. Movie stars, Ben Stiller, Cole Richak, I could go on and on. Politicians, Patty Reagan, Marie Shriver, Senator Kyle, sports personalities showed up. Magic Johnson showed up. And he gave out Starbucks cards as he owns most of the Starbucks in town. Sugar Ray Leonard, the great middleweight, he showed up. Oh, by the way, Mike Tyson showed up. And when he showed up, I wore my earmuffs. Amen, thank God. And something magical began to take place. The dream center that had reached the lepers, the outcasts, the people that nobody else wanted. We bust them in and fill that great Angelus temple that seen 4,000 people with the lepers of the city. Nobody wanted them. I went to church one day and I looked out and there was Patricia Heaton, who I love Raymond fame. Elijah Kelly, Sinbad the comedian. Chris Tucker came to the altar. Justin Bieber showed up. I could keep going on. Stevie Wonder showed up, sat on the front row and said, Matthew, can I sing a song? Matthew said, you can sing 10 if you want to. And he stood, went up and played the piano, falling in love with Jesus. It was the best thing that I ever did, that great spiritual. And my mind went back that when I first came, that I was running through the city trying to get healthy because I was getting ready to run from L.A. to Phoenix. 436 miles I ran to raise money for the Dream Center. Lost all my toes, my toenails, amen. I had blisters all over my feet. I did a marathon a day for 19 days and we were able to raise almost a million dollars. But while I was training, I ran through the city at night and I'd see people in the street just screaming out. They were out of asylums. They'd run out of money, so they'd turn them in the street. As I ran through Skid Row, the smell of human waste was everywhere. And I thought, God, how, how are we going to build a church here? There's no jobs. In many cases, the fathers have deserted. There's anarchy in this city. And God spoke to me and said, if you will reach people that nobody else wants, I will give you people that everybody wants. And if you would come to the Dream Center on a Sunday now, you would see the lame, the halt, the blind, 
The modern-day lepers, the untouchables, as you squint your eyes all bit, you'll see the beautiful people of Hollywood, of Beverly Hills. God keeps his promise. This is my close. I promise. And by the way, I, I preach a little longer because your pastor said, don't worry about the time, but I, I'll be out of here in two minutes, so stick with me now. Final story. The Dream Center. We had just put money down on it. We had sold our old building and we had a million, I think it was eight. And we made a deal with the Queen of Angels Hospital. They wanted $4 million for it. Excuse me, 3.9. That we would give this money, but we would come up with a remaining $2 million in a year. We were one month away and we were $2 million short. When a man came to our city from Argentina, he said, I have the multiplication anointing. He said, eight years ago, I started my church and there was nobody there. Today, we have over 260,000 people in our church. I have the multiplication anointing. He said, Pastor, do you want it? I said, yeah. If Matthew, do you want it? Matthew said, yes. Will the Cardinals beat the Las Vegas team again in football? Amen. A bad spirit just came through the building right there. So he said, come up here. And we walked up and he said, hold your hands out. And we held our hands out. And he reached in his pocket and took a handful of mustard seed and let it sift into our hands. He said, this represents multiplication and I prayed for people and God has sent that anointing and he placed his hands upon our head and he breathed into us and said receive it the church is full of people but there were two people that received it myself and Matthew what happened after that I would not believe it if you told me there was a man in my church in Phoenix who was the only guy that was against me going to LA. He thought it would kill me. And he said, I love you so much. And he's very critical of it. One day he said, I want to go see that dream center. I didn't even want him his old negative face over there. Sir. But he was a good giver. And I can be bought. Amen. <laughs> As I took him through the dream center, he began to weep. I took him back to his hotel. He said, would you come early and have a bowl of soup with me before church tonight? So I did. He said, I've never been more moved than what I've seen. And he reached in, took a check out and wrote me a check for a million dollars. And he said, I just called my son. He wants to meet with you next week. You think you could arrange it? I said, how about tomorrow? And the next week, he wrote me a check for a million dollars. Now listen closely. I've been preaching, as I told you earlier, now 70 years. But in the last 20 years, after they prayed that multiplication anointing, I've had more people saved in the last 20 years than the 50 years before that. In the last 20 years, I've seen more miracles 
in the 50 years. In the last 20 years, more money has come through these hands than the 50 years before that. And Charles was there a year ago. Well, we honored the people that had given to the Dream Center, and over 50 people had given a million dollars or more. And the point I want to make is this. God is no respecter person. And don't you think that God loves some people in Vegas as much as he did in Los Angeles? Come on, say a good amen. And I want you all to pray between now and next week that you're going to give the most unusual gift that you've ever given, one you thought you'd never give. Because when we do the unusual, God does it supernaturally. When we quit doing business as usual, and I feel the Spirit of God all over me, and I didn't intend to do this when I came to L.A. today, but I want to pray for everyone in this building because that same spirit is here tonight that I felt that night at the Dream Center. And I'm going to ask everyone in this building just a minute. Listen to me first. Go say, Pastor, I need that multiplication. I need it in my business. I want to do so much for the kingdom. I want to be able to give. I want us to be able to build and build and grow and grow. Our pastor, I have a dream to build a youth program or I have a dream to reach the hurting. Pastor, I need multiplication in my ministry. I need it in my life. I need it in my family. I just need a multiplication. And I'm going to pray that God will send that multiplication anointing on everybody at once. If you want that multiplication anointing, I want you to stand and I'm going to pray for you. This may be the greediest church I've ever been to. Everybody's standing. The church has a need. Come on, say amen. But you have to realize that if you want multiplication, you got to sow. And I want you to sow the largest gift. Pray about it this week. Just ask God. Now, here's how I'm going to pray. While I pray, I don't want you to say a word. I don't want you to cry or... I just want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to see in your mind the dream that you want. I want you to see that business prospering and what you could do with it. I want you to see that youth group. I want you to see... Because if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So while I pray, I want you to see it. Come on, folks. See it. See the dream fulfilled. See the son coming home. See the daughter that ran away. See her coming home, delivered and free. See it. And you'll want to cry out. You're going to want to pray loud. 
And when I come to the end of my prayer, I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus. And you're going to be quiet till I say the name of Jesus. But when I say the name of Jesus, that's going to be the trigger word. And you've been quiet. But when I say the name of Jesus, I want you to throw your hands up in the air. And I want you to cry out to God like you've never cried out. And I believe that multiplication anointing is settling on this congregation. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive it? Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, right now people are seeing the dream as if it were fulfilled. Holy Spirit, you're moving in this place in a great way. There are people that want to do so much, but they need help, God. They need that multiplication anointing. And we have the trigger, God, to sow into the great harvest of this church, which is great seed. But today, God, we open ourselves like Matthew and I did that day. You say, God, we'll receive it. And our life has changed forever. So Holy Spirit, come down right now with your big bucket anointing oil. Are you ready? Get ready to put your hands up and pour the anointing upon these people in the name of Jesus.